Welcome to the Radical Bureaucrat. It's Friday, and it's a podcast for people who want to change institutions from the inside. That's right. Today is March 27th, and this is our 10th episode in 10 business days. Yes, it is. Oh, boy. Yeah, we've been uh, doing a lot of recording. That's right. We've interviewed eight different people over the last eight days. Uh, but I, we feel like that's a that's a, a good amount. So today we're just going to do something different. We're going to slow things down and just have a conversation between myself and Abram. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited about today. It's been really, really cool to hear from people all around the world, um, or at least all around the states and one person in uh, South Korea. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really have been looking forward to this and, and we're going to borrow, uh, from, you know, what is for many of us, a reference point podcast, you know, a, a place where people talk really honestly about the ins and outs of race in this country as we see it playing out. And that's the code switch podcast, uh, which is an NPR, uh, podcast, uh, that's been around for a while. Um, and uh, code switch talks, uh, ends every episode, um, asking about a song that give, that is giving us life right now. And so we're just going to talk about some things that are giving us life right now. That's right. And we're going to start that in just a second. But before we do, we also want to give listeners a sense of what to expect from our podcast going forward. The beginning of the New York City lockdown uh, almost two weeks ago felt like the right time to go all in on this podcast and put out as much content as we could. But we're going to record a little less frequently going forward. Our plan now is to record episodes twice a week. Uh, so look for our content coming out twice a week, and we'll continue to bring people on for interviews similarly to, to how we've been doing things so far. Yeah, we'll uh, continue to bring guests on uh, who can provide perspective or share personal experiences on how they're living out their values during this crisis. Uh, and as always, if you have any suggestions, please hit us up through Twitter. Uh, it's at Rad Bureau, at R-A-D-B-U-R-E-A-U um, on Twitter uh, and on our website, theradicalbureaucrat.com. Uh, but now let's talk about what's given us life, shall we? All right, we're going to break this into three categories today. We're going to talk about what we're reading that's giving us life, what we're listening to that is giving us life, and what we're watching that is giving us life. So, yeah. Uh, so, Sam, let's start with the reading one. Um, and I think, you know, I've been reading a lot of things, but then again, not reading that many things. Um, and so what, what's something you've been reading that's bringing you life right now? Well, uh, I'm very grateful that my mom read a review uh, a couple weeks ago by Juno Diaz of James McBride's new book, Deacon King Kong. And she very generously ordered a copy for me because she saw that it was in New York and it was about baseball. Baseball was a theme in there. It's not really about baseball at all. Uh, and so she got me the novel. And I've read, uh, I think, two other James McBride books. He, he wrote a um, kind of biography or, of uh, James Brown, and he also wrote his own memoir. But this is the first novel of his I've read. And I just finished it last night. I stayed up to finish it. And it's, it's fun. It's just, it, it, it's a, a book that is a bit of everything. There's mystery, there's love story, it's gritty, urban, noir, it's 
funny. It's also, you know, a dark exposition of the inequities, racial inequities and class inequities in our society. Um, and I look back at, at Diaz's description of, of the novel in his review, and I, I love this line. He, he says about it, he goes, McBride doesn't just pivot from the humor to the agony. He seems to deploy both modes at once, and it speaks to his talent that he does so with dexterous aplomb. <laughs> and I think that's right. Yeah. And McBride, McBride himself is a jazz musician, and, and it, he writes like a jazz musician. Hmm. You know, he's got these long riffs. Um, so the writing is, is entertaining and, uh, yeah, it was just, it, it was fun. And it was a look at, uh, you know, a specific part of, of Brooklyn, Red Hook area of Brooklyn, um, where McBride is from, um, in the late 1960s. And so I, I also just liked that kind of historical fiction. So it was, it was a good read. Yep. Uh, so Abram, what are you reading that's bringing you life? Yeah, so I wanted to share, I was excited to share this book that uh, the book actually encourages you in the introduction, I think, to read it non-linearly. Um, and I keep mm -hmm. bringing this book up because I keep trying to get other people to start reading it because it feels to me so profound and useful. Um, uh, and and even in a, in a kind of oddly like spiritual way, it has a like calming and centering influence, um, you know, the... The, the, a lot of different pieces of the text. So the book is called Emergent Strategy, uh, and, mm -hmm. it's a, and it's by an author uh, named Adrian Marie Brown, uh, who mm -hmm. I uh, wasn't familiar with until I went to a session at a conference, um, and she was talking also about a podcast that she has, um, which I don't... Uh, I should look up the name of the podcast. I'll tweet it out later. Uh, she's on Twitter a ton, at uh, Adrian Marie, A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E-M-A-R-E-E, -E if any of you wants to rewind and replay that in your head. Interdependence is mutual dependence between things. If you study biology, you'll discover that there's a great deal of interdependence between plants and animals. Inter means between. So interdependence is dependence between things. The quality or condition of being interdependent or mutually reliant on each other. Decentralization is the dispersion or distribution of functions or powers, the delegation of power, grounding in nature. I spent an entire year on this porch in Mississippi watching a family of geese. They get to give. Over and over, they get to give. Their style of getting and giving are particular to each bird, but they give every single day. They share and accept sharing with grace and so much style. I'm working on this every day of my life. Kesey Lehman. When Canada geese are migrating, they take turns at the front of the V, the turns being the leader, the weight carrier, and being the follower, the rester. When a goose is injured during migration, two geese will land with it and stay until it is healed or it dies, then catch up with their flock. Flocking is fundamentally about decentralizing the effort for safety, and trusting leadership to come from any edge of the flock. When Hurricane Katrina slammed into the Gulf Coast, almost everything lost its footing. Houses were detached from their foundation. Trees and shrubbery were uprooted. Signposts and vehicles floated down the rivers that became the streets. But amidst the whipping winds and surging water, the oak tree held its ground. How? Instead of digging its root deep and solitary into the earth, 
the oak tree grows its roots wide and interlocks with other oak trees in the surrounding area, and you can't bring down a hundred oak trees bound beneath the soil. How do we survive the unnatural disasters of climate change, environmental injustice, over-policing, mass imprisonment, militarization, economic inequality, corporate globalization, and displacement? We must connect in the underground, my people. In this way, we shall survive. Naima Pennyman. So this is a text that, uh, you know, I kind of have to take it in doses, and that's about a dose. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I read this stuff, and it kind of gives me this profound sense of meaning uh, in it all. Um, and, you know, there's pages and pages like that. Um, you know, and lots of footnotes, really fun footnotes, if you're a footnotes type person. Yeah. Uh, I did read Emergent Strategy a while back, but I, I need to go back to it because I, I think I read it incorrectly. You know, I, I read it straight through. Uh, and it is what I remember about it is it's a it's a book for folks like us. It's a book for bureaucrats um, and consultants, but a completely different way of seeing the work. Yeah. And you you get that from the passages that you just read. Mm -hmm. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's it's this just asking sort of us book. to... Yeah. This is a different sort of book, is the sense you get. Yeah. And I mean, and, it, and it's not the type of book that we get to read for work or for graduate school very often, if at all. So it's, it is, it's a book that makes you kind of sit back and, and just kind of step out of all the paradigms that we've, mm -hmm. we've been in. Uh, so yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. So, so Abram, um, well, here's the thing. There's so much to read and, and we can be reading books. We can read uh, articles. We can read whatever. Uh, you think we can share one more reading? Yeah. Yeah. I think we should. I think, I think reading really should remain as the dominant uh, form of information. I know there's a lot of ways to learn and, and get information, but um, I do think reading together and reading alone is is of such value. So yeah, let's do more reading. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I got another one. So last week you and I were talking, not on the podcast, uh, and we were talking about what the quality of the content that we're putting out. And I said, well, well I, you know, there's a word for what we're doing. It's rasquache. And, uh, and, and I had trouble saying what rasquache means in English. So I did a little digging. I did a little research and um, looked at Wikipedia. So actually what I'm reading to you is going to be from the Wikipedia on rasquachismo. And, and it, it made so much sense because the words that I have for it now, rasquache means making the most with what you have. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's what we're doing here on the podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, but it also feels like this is a moment for doing what you can with what you have. And people are doing that in all kinds of ways. I mean, remote learning is <laughs> making the most with what you have. Um, you know, all the virtual work that people are doing they're they're, they're trying to find ways to make it work. And, it's also recentering kind of what's important through that process. So, but here's the thing about Rasquache that I learned that's so interesting. So it's a, 
a Spanish term of Nahuatl origin, which originally had a negative connotation in Mexico as being an attitude that was lower class or impoverished. Mm -hmm. This definition was later reversed by Mexican and Chicano arts movements, which have transformed the the have-not sensibility into a specific artistic aesthetic, Mm -hmm. rasquachismo, suited to overcoming material and professional limitations faced by artists in the movement. It is the view of the underdog, this is a quote, which combines inventiveness with the survivalist attitude. And I'm, I, I'm like, oh my God, this is perfect. Like this is, this is the word for this moment and, and for us. It's, yeah. it's, and, and I think that to a certain extent, I don't know if this is right, but you and I both, I don't, I don't hear you call yourself Chicano. I don't know if you identify as Chicano or, or, or in some way you do, but you know, you're, I think of you as a Chicano for me, Sele. Yeah. Um, my dad is, uh, my dad definitely identifies as Chicano. And so for me, I don't present that way in the world, but it's part of my heritage. Yeah, it's in you. And so I've, what's that? I said, it's in you. It's in me. And so the Chicano arts movement is something that I'm familiar with, uh, from the murals of California to mm-hmm. the, you know, the, um, the theater and movies of Luis Valdez to, uh, you know, just a whole range of things that the, 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 so much as so much, so many novels, um, so much poetry. Uh, and so this notion of doing what you have, this, this artistic aesthetic, you know, that, that it's certainly not refined and it takes pride in not being refined. And I wonder if on some level, like we were, we had that mindset when we started out, like we don't need this to be the perfect podcast. Certainly we want it to be, you know, we try to do things. We try to put as much work into it as we can, but the most important thing is that we're doing this in the right spirit, Mm -hmm. not that we're necessarily putting it out as the most finished and refined product. So, um, yeah, yeah, this is the moment. I think there's levels of that. I think the, you know, season one was definitely a lot more time spent in the editing bay. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, for better or for worse, time wasted or time well spent. I, you know, you can go back and listen to all the episodes and tell me. Um, I, I think the, the, and this is an emergent strategy thing that I think I've learned in the time since the last season uh, that there's there's always enough time for the right work and and that the right people are the ones that are in the room and the right work is whatever is the most powerful conversation for that group of people, you know? And this last mm-hmm. week, that conversation has been just survival and like trying to get the lizard brain reeled in, you know, mm-hmm. because that that emotional, limbic, amygdala, you know, brain, lower brain part that like just is worried about survival and stocking up on sugary snacks. Like, like we have to pay attention to that and give that thing space to calm down in order to get back to, to whatever the work is. And I think some people, you know, are sent for a, we're sent for a loop these last few weeks. And so coming back to um, what, what is really necessary, you know, what is really the essence of the work that I'm doing? And how can I drive it forward with the time and energy I have? And how can I do it from a place of abundance and not from a place of scarcity? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Rasquachismo is about making the best with what you've got. Right? And what we've got is weird right now, but we can make some, some, you know, where there's ruin, there's hope for a treasure. Right? That's Rumi. Right. Right. All right. So, Abram, what else are you reading that's bringing you life? Yeah. So, uh, this got sent to me in a group text, and I just wanted to shout out my group text crew. Um, I don't want to, you know, I, maybe I should do the Brooklyn thing and like shout out, you know, each of them and their nicknames. Um, Lobutsi, uh, and Pookie from the block. Um, but, um, man, these group texts have been giving me light. People just sending something funny that they screen captured from Instagram that brings me a smile when I'm stressed or, Mm -hmm. or something honest, you know, like, man, I'm scared about this. What's going to happen with this? Um, so shout out, shout out to the group text. Shout out to those of you having drinks on a Friday or a Thursday night with your colleagues via Zoom or Teams or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, just decompressing and figuring out what all of this means for us. Um, that, I think, is some of the most important stuff we can do right now. That is the work of this moment. Um, and so there's this in one of these group texts with one of these you know, work, work homies, work family, uh, people who I love. Um, somebody sent me this poem, which, which I guess had been making the rounds a little bit. I don't know. Um, but the poem is by a woman, uh, from the Midwest named Kitty O'Meara. Uh, and it's called, Mm -hmm. And, and the people stayed home. And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and were still and listened more deeply and meditated. Oh, some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows and the people began to think differently and the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. Yeah, the... The people stayed home. You know, maybe we just yeah. need to slow down and pause, right? That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a lot of what we can do. You know, it's it's. Uh, I think that's what people have been grappling with, and and people seem to be bouncing back and forth between um, trying to are trying to find their equilibrium. But there's people have recognized that there's certainly an opportunity here to focus on self and family, uh, you know, especially if you have the privilege of doing so. Um, that's 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 in there as well. You know, this is yeah. not not a poem about the people that we're thinking about in homeless shelters um, yeah, necessarily, true. right? Or, or in other kind of challenge situations and circumstances. But for those who can, 
this is a moment to take a breath. And yeah, yeah she puts it into words beautifully. Yeah, and I think the 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 assumption I'm operating from, you know, I I acknowledge the privilege, you know, of being able to have time and any kind of income coming in because a lot of people don't have any income and that's their main concern mm-hmm. right now. A lot more people than ever in the history of the United States, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think it helps me uh, to assume that if I can figure out myself and my, you know, where where I best enter the conversation, the the great struggle to do better, then I then I will do a better service to those people because I'm understanding me, you know, and where my healing needs to come from before I, you know, I got to put my own mask on mm-hmm. before I put the mask on someone else, right? right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I hear what yeah. you say. Let's not let's not try to continue the rat race right now. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. So let's move into listening, Abram. Um, what are you listening to that is bringing you life? So actually, I, I listened. Um, I had listened just uh, yesterday. We were talking to um, Becky, who I have the right. urge to call Dr. Tarla, but I but I won't. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, thinking about uh, the, the situation in Brazil, you know, and, and looking at some of the background on her book and kind of looking into it more after we were off the air, it, it reminded me of the, the images in this music video, um, which is on YouTube, and I'll, I'll tweet out the, the music video. Uh, it's, an, it's an artist named Ana Tijoux, who is a, um, a Latinx artist from South America, um, who, uh, I think Peru, Colombia, I can't remember. Um, Chile. Uh, Chile, thank you. Um, and uh, Lucin, Lucin, kind of to my ear, and I don't. You can tell me, Sam, with your Spanish. Lucin kind of strikes my ear as as uh, being like a nickname for a scrappy kid, like like Luche is like struggle, and and you know something in Lucin sounds like a nickname for a kid. Uh, and the video is like a lot of children and like the world through children's eyes. Um, uh, in a few different cities, um, you can't. Re- it's not. It's not exactly clear what city it's in um at least not to me uh so i'll play a little a little clip of it um it's really beautiful music um and the the images uh which you can get for free on youtube are i think really profound and and for me healing Yeah, just a really beautiful um, melody and tune and really poignant images um, about urban life uh, that I, you know, get a lot out of. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I love that type of song when it's done well, that will, uh, with the soft music, the beautiful music, the beautiful voice, and the nostalgia, mm-hmm. you know, of, yeah. of something more innocent. Uh, so that's great. That's beautiful. 
So yeah, uh, any what what have you been listening to, or what are you listening to that's given you life? Uh, oh, well, this one was in the easiest selection for me of, of everything we talked about. The song Rene by Presidente, the Puerto Rican rap artist, came out a few weeks ago. And I was just in Puerto Rico in February. Gosh, I'm so thankful that we were able to go before this thing hit. Yeah, crazy. Uh, my family and my parents and I went to Vieques. And so I've been thinking a lot about Puerto Rico. Um, I have a friend, uh, a good friend from college, who is a scientist from Puerto Rico who's been tweeting a lot about the coronavirus down there. His name is Daniel Colon. Um, if you want to check him out, you can Google him. He's um, but, but I've, you know, Puerto Rico has been through so much and now they're getting hit by the virus too. Yeah. And when we were down there, there was, I, I was seeing and hearing a lot about people's mental health needs and the, the amount of depression that people have, have, uh, um, hmm. been dealing with as, as a society down there. Yeah. And, uh, and so when Residente came out with this song, about himself, and it is both an ode to Puerto Rico, uh, and it's a song about depression, and and I love that. And it's also such an accessible song because if you speak Spanish, he's he's rapping in a very very clear language, very smart language. Um, the lyrics are real tight; they're surprising. Uh, and the music is simple, but it's also elegant. And so it's just been all around for me, great song. Now I heard someone else be like, he's too intense for me. He's yeah. too intense. And I, but, but he is supposed to, this is a, this is an intense topic. Yeah. And he does it quite well. And he does it, there's a nostalgia in this song too, because he's, he's making a connection to his childhood through the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then bringing it back to the present and um, kind of yearning for that innocence. Uh, and at the same time, you know, admitting and being honest about, you know, he was mentally very unhealthy. Right. So it, there's a lot going on in the song, a whole lot. And uh, right. it's got a video as well. But I, I kind of like the song on its own without the video. Um, yeah. The, the video is worth watching. Um, but, it's a, you know, it's the song that really gets me. All right, so let's have uh, Residente give us a verse, drop some knowledge. Hace 10 años que no duermo, el Ayares me sigue investigando, me estoy divorciando pero no importa, yo sigo rimando, cometo errores pero hago lo que pueda, aprendí a aterrizar sin ruedas y aunque en la calle me reconocen, ya ni mis amigos me conocen, estoy triste y me río, el concierto está lleno pero yo estoy vacío, en la industria de la música todo es mentira, mi hijo tiene que comer así que... Sí. Yeah. That was, I think that's his actual mom uh, in the beginning of the song. It's certainly intended to be his mom, whether that's, that's her voice or not. And so it starts off with her working with him to 
uh, complete a school assignment that he's having trouble with. And so then she's, yeah. she would sing it to him in rhyme so that he could remember. Mm. Uh, and then wow. at, at the end, it goes back to that. And then it goes to Ruben Blades, um, and who he references in the song, mm-hmm. playing playing the song out, going to the the the, the, the conga um, and the, and kind of a Afro Puerto Rican. I don't know what the genre of music is, but a, a, a chant. Um, so there's a lot happening there, and um, just an impressive piece. Yeah, uh, beautiful. Um, I I can't wait um, to give it a listen. All right, so let's uh, uh, close out, bring it in for landing. Um, what what are you uh, watching? There's been a whole lot of streaming media, um, and I had yeah. you know, the amount of money that we pay uh, the cable company, boy. Ah, don't get me started on a rant. Um, but there's tons <laughs> of stuff from Netflix and Disney Plus and CBS. You know, there's all these services. Uh, what have you been watching? Yep. What's bringing you life, Sam? What are you watching? Well, I... Uh... We got tipped uh, a, a while back to the idea of, you know, we should have a family sitcom, something that we all watch together. And so that show, uh, some friends of ours said, you know, the show that to, to watch as a family is, family is blackish. And again, my kids are eight and 11 mm-hmm. and it's worked out quite well. They, they both really enjoy it. My wife and I enjoy it. And since the lockdown started, we've been watching like two episodes every night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's not Netflix. We, we buy a season through Amazon mm-hmm. and um, we've just, just been going back because we're current on this season and last season. So we've gone back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just fun. Just, it's great show to watch as a family and, and they touch on social issues. So there's mm-hmm. always something to discuss as well. Kids have questions. And yeah. there's some really good blackish musical numbers too. It's some of my favorite stuff in the world yeah. is the blackish musicals. Yep. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Abram? What are you watching? Uh, well, we just finished um, the show on Netflix, Hentified. Um, and Hentified mm-hmm. is a is a a word that I picked up a few years ago from a friend in Oakland, um, uh, who was who was um, doing some kind of thing uh, with with one of the big colleges, and uh, and he. Uh, he dropped this this you know little nugget in my vocabulary, and I started saying it. Um, and then you know, I guess I was kind of uh, I don't know I don't know how late or early to that party I was, but like I really started to see gentrification up close because I had you know that was the year that I had moved to New York, and our first year in New York we you know got an apartment on the Upper West Side, and then they you know, moved us out so they could do a building project to, ma- you know, make a little more money on the apartment. And then the second build, you know, there, everybody has their New York City apartment stories, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, but then at, being in New York City and learning about what gentrification is and how it impacts communities and the dynamics that play out, um, you know, is something that, you know, these are stories that are very difficult to tell. Um and, you know, I live in a neighborhood that at one point was a was a very firmly Italian neighborhood. Uh, and, and, and there were some uh, European Jews in, in, in Spanish Harlem. And then, you know, a lot came over in the middle of the 20th century from Puerto Rico. Um, and like those different layers of new groups of people coming into the neighborhood have, you know, only accelerated. Uh, and so what does gentrification really mean? How do you how do you find uh, the important 
things in your values, uh, the things that you imagine handing down to your children in the midst of a changing neighborhood. Uh, and, you know, the way that Hentify does it is it's all wrapped in signature East L.A. style comedy. Um, and so it's, mm. you know, it's the most fun um, we've had watching TV in a little while. On My Block is a similar, has a similar kind of West Coast, um, West Coast uh, hood life uh, sensibility uh, okay. about it. Um, but so let me just, can, can I just cut in there just so people get the name of it? So this is like Hente Fi, yeah, yeah. right? Hente like the, word, the G- Spanish word Hente. G-E-N-T-E-F-I-E-D. Hente Fi. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hente so, being like people in Spanish, like my people, um, the people, gente, uh, gentefied. So yeah, it's about the struggle it, in Boyle Heights and the artists and, and burners and homeless tent cities and everything that's happening in Los Angeles right now. But, you know, with this really great um, core of like these family first, um, you know, Mexican-American family values. Um, that you know just resonates and feels like home for me. That's great. I think I saw a trailer at one point, and now and then I forgot about it. So I'm so glad you brought this up because uh, I need a new show. Yeah. So that this is going to be good. Yeah, we will watch um, it. It's a little bit bumpy, um, but you know, lots sure. of streaming TV is bumpy in the first season. So I'm excited to see what they do with it. Yeah, there's so. <laughs> I mean. All of Netflix is a little rascuache right now. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we are we are now going into the depths of that library. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's just the moment we're in. It's it's like yeah. we're we're not the the refined stuff. The the age of four channels and a movie theater is uh, long since past. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot more content, but it's not all <laughs> what we what we grew up with. Yeah, so let's read end, us out. Let's end by being good bureaucrats. The views expressed here are our personal opinions and do not reflect the official or unofficial position of any government agency, policy, party, leader, or really anyone besides the two of us. And maybe you, but maybe not. This content has not been sponsored or approved by anyone and was mostly just made because we wanted an opportunity to talk about things that matter to everyone, whether they realize it or not. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend, y'all.